Whether on the go or at the table, get lost in a conversation about everything coffee with your host, Eric Ortiz. Welcome to Everything Coffee, a podcast that brings in different people weekly from all walks of life to talk about everything coffee. And today I'm joined by David Anderson, a YouTube and Instagram personality working in the coffee industry as a barista and educator, manager, and consultant. David's curiosity has grown since he made the discovery of his passion in his early 20s. David now runs a YouTube channel, David Likes Coffee, starting in 2018 as a hobby with the intention to becoming a better communicator and storyteller and encouraging viewers to approach coffee with the same curiosity and open mind. David's channel has touched on various topics, including the right to repair impression on new products, brewing roasts on different machines, and just brewing coffee and sharing a cup with his viewers. Catch David on IG at David Likes Coffee and on YouTube at David Likes Coffee. And of course, check out any of his links from his show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, David Anderson. David, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I, I, I talked to David a little bit off the air and we were talking about uh, just, just the various things and told David the first time uh, I, I saw him on YouTube, I was floored. I was impressed by the quality of his video work, his editing, he's smooth, he's a fantastic uh, communicator. You got that that part nailed, by the way. Storytelling. <laughs> and, and I was just kind of uh, drawn back because I think the first video I actually watched with you was your stag, EKG, that, that had stopped working and uh you reached out to fellow and and of course just like anything these things tend to break right the day after warranty and uh you you try to reach out to fellow and of course you got told that obviously those products can't be fixed and you you uh you broke into it yourself and uh had enough knowledge and and repaired it luckily it wasn't so so hard of a repair for you at least uh, but you were able to do it. And, and then you talked a little bit about right to repair. And of course, this is kind of like a big hot topic because I guess now that we're getting more technologically advanced and we're going into silicon chips and microboards and things of that nature, it's a little bit more difficult to just kind of fix things willy nilly here. But first, David, tell me a little bit about yourself because I, I definitely want to know uh, of your background and I'm definitely sure that the audience wants to know a little bit more. Yeah, so I didn't really get into coffee, like you said, until like my early 20s. I think I was 22. Um, I was pursuing a degree in music. And, you know, the coffee I'd had up until that time was coffee from my parents, coffee from my grandparents, you know, kind of stuff that's in a can. Not the greatest quality. Smelled really good, but didn't really translate in the cup. A lot of people (laughs) have had that experience where it just doesn't taste the way it smells. Um, and I was visiting school, uh, looking, you know, to go to school somewhere. And the, the teacher there was somebody I knew from high school. Um, they were a music teacher of mine and part of the interest for why I was going there. And they offered to let me stay over in exchange for, um, for watching their kid. I think he had like a four or five year old kid at the time. So I was basically the live in babysitter for a couple of days while I went and visited the school and, one morning he was like, do you like coffee? And I was like, eh, not really. He's like, well, you got to try this. And um, I didn't know this at the time, but 
he had basically like a Ranchilio Silvia and a Rocky Grinder sitting on the counter. Nice. And him and him and his little kid teamed up, and he just went on and on about the coffee, the milk he was using, the chocolate, and just I, I was big into food. Like my grandparents on like my dad's side Italian, my grandparents on my uh, on my mom's side Cuban Spanish. So like a lot of good food uh, and a lot of you know good food experiences growing up. So I'd never heard anybody talk like this about coffee. Though. So I was really intrigued and watching him and he pulled up a chair for his son. He got up on the chair and like pushed all the buttons to pull the shot and steam the milk. And, you know, together they made me a mocha and I drank it. And I was like, you know, that's actually really good. And I, I had a couple of them over the course of my visit. And when I left, you know, I had the experience of trying to find that, you know, where I was and didn't really have any good coffee shops near me. And <laughs> most of the drinks that I got were just not nearly like, nowhere close to what he had made me. So that kind of started the gradual snowball rolling of me going sure. down, down to rabbit made, hole. You went, you know, didn't you? Yeah. Buying a little <laughs> espresso machine and trying to replicate that. And uh, yeah, here we are like, what is this? Ten years later, I think. Yeah, you so you started drinking coffee a lot later than than most people that would be as passionate. But you got into it, realizing it is it based off of just the experience you had, David, or was it mostly just the fact that you had that background and and food and you understood nuances of taste? I think a little bit of both. I think a little bit of both. Um, you know, I hadn't really had great coffee at the time but like just knowing that it was possible and knowing that there was like a craft and a skill and not being able to put those pieces together in my head like at least immediately was really intriguing so like it was just the puzzle aspect of it I think that got me super interested and to the point where I just like couldn't stop thinking about it for for you know several years until I finally started getting somewhere with it sure I, I find it fascinating because I, I've had multiple guests on the show who I've interviewed who are people that are background in music. They tend to be tinkers. They, they work well with their hands, uh, music-oriented. They tend to be roasters or just consultants or those deep into the coffee industry. What do you think is the connection between that, between coffee and, and, and possibly those links between behind it david i think for me at least um when i was done with school i went and was looking for jobs at roasters and coffee shops and i really enjoyed working behind a bar because it was a craft that you could practice every day so you know not preparing for like i, I had a background in french horn and i was going for like french horn performance to you know audition for orchestras and was really in the routine of having a practice routine every day and, you know, performing every couple of weeks or something like that. So having downtime and kind of taking a break and, you know, using that downtime to practice another skill and another craft, I think is what made it really intriguing for me and is, why it, I gravitated towards it so much. Is the intrigue for you, the technical side of it, understanding the machinery, the gear, and then, of course, obviously, the, the background of science, because a lot of your YouTube videos, they, they, 
they they don't go in huge nuance about science and but, but you have a grasp of it and understanding how coffee is pushed out with water and so forth and and you know what you're aiming for in terms of taste with these roasts but how much of that is is intriguing to you that of the technology and and the type of roasting you do or at least you've you've tasted I think it's the the machine aspect for sure um and definitely like how to operate the machines how to manipulate the coffee how to extract different flavors and then it gradually became more about like different origins and different roasts and just different flavors that were possible from you know arguably one source right like you know arabica coffee there's more than arabica coffee right now of course but just how many different expressions you can get from this one product sure and and that leads you to getting into this i'm guessing right before the pandemic this this really starts taking off with with youtube and you start developing videos and your quality i, I was i was telling david and, and no offense to anyone else in the coffee industry i was just talking to david about his video quality and if you check his videos out which i implore you to do you'll notice that his videos are very well produced they're very much storytelling element in terms of a beginning a middle and an end and it it tells you something about the, the process of what he's trying to do it's not just the here's this here's this here's this and then we're done and and that works for a lot of people out there but your your storytelling is something that really intrigued me because it goes from a simple broken EK, EKG kettle to all of a sudden a bigger topic, which is right to repair and, 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 and possibly uh, looking at other products that need to be repaired and, and how different companies approach that. But what goes into it for you, David, in terms of creating content on a, on a regular on YouTube? I think for me, it's well. Number one, it's tough to stick to a schedule of once a week. <laughs> sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But it's, and the reason for that is because it's hard to find these stories. Like, there's so much that's been said out there about coffee, and yet there's so much that we don't really know. So, what I'm trying to do as I get more into YouTube and more into visual storytelling is to just find stories from my own life, things that have happened. Uh, just day to day and like the repair thing is something that has you know been something that I've done for a while whether it be like you know my old laptop or a Nintendo Switch Joy-Con or just like some weird little things that break around the house uh, you know and then it happened with my kettle and I thought well this kind of fits I can talk about this on the channel and it was it's quite an interesting um, journey well and the right to repair, I think, fits into it pretty nicely because, you know, it's all about, as far as I understand it, I don't have the the most nuanced understanding of it, but essentially access to parts, sure. manuals, and, and tools so that you can fix things yourself and you have options so that when you go back to a company, be it Fellow or anywhere, anywhere else, there are plenty of other examples. And, and no one yeah. likes having a product that is expensive as an EKG. I mean... Th- we're, we're talking over $149 minimum. Yeah. And yeah, um, especially when it just stops working from one day to the next, it's, it's 
frustrating for a consumer to just have something and all of a sudden it just stops working. And back in the 50s, 60s, when we weren't putting microboards on every single product, it was a little bit more simpler. Um, you had these big block engines that you could repair really easily. They didn't have any many computers, if any at all. Nowadays, it's just, it, you, you better hope whatever it was, it was just maybe some dirt, dust, blow on it, and, and hopefully start working again. Uh, otherwise, you're, you're out another $149. And uh, it makes you think sometimes if these things are made to last or they're designed to break and and, and get you right back into the store and buying another one. Mm-hmm. Where where have you kind of led into these topics? Have, have these have these kind of developed into something more in terms of of you kind of seeking like further answers, David, or is this just one of those one and done, and then possibly down the road uh, kind of discuss it or touch it down down, down the road? I think that this is something that I've somewhat talked about on the channel before. Um, just anytime I've brought up Baratza, which I think is a shiny example of sure. how, how it should go when you have something that's wrong and you need help, um, they will give you essentially instructions on how to replace pretty much anything and parts are available straight from them. Or you can do as was in my case, I think I've, I've had my Baratza Vario for almost 10 years and, I've swapped out a couple parts here and there on myself, and then it just got to be too much, and I wasn't really getting anywhere. So I packed it up and sent it to them for you know a fee. I think it was like 120, 150 bucks for for that particular grinder, and it came back fully refurbished, working better than the day that I bought it. It it is fascinating how some of these companies work, and, and I think that's a testament to to I I, I would suppose the. Uh, consumer relations for them. It brats is legendary when it comes down to their customer support. And uh, I've, I've heard many stories, legends, you might say, <laughs> of, of different uh, products that brats has made that that's have tested, uh, been tested uh, in time here that they still continue to run and operate uh, with, with simple fixes. Sometimes with brats are just sending you the part. And then uh, like, like in this case, David sent it in and, now you got yourself pretty much a brand new grinder that that effectively does the same thing as as, as a lot of these these high end grinders are doing um, with very minute differences in nuance and taste. Where where do you think we're at right now, David? Because it seems like every time I turn on YouTube, there's a new grinder. Every time I turn on YouTube, there's a new brewer. Um, there is a new technique. There's a new something. Where are we right now in coffee? I think right now we're really close. And I think you're, it sounds like you're getting at with like gear and how like accessible cafe quality stuff is for just the average person. Right. Oh yeah. And, and, and I'm, t- we're, we're talking about what couldn't have been obtained many years ago because of these high end machines is now readily available for less than $500 nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I'm sitting in my little office, my little studio. I have a DF64, which a friend of mine loaned me, and I've been super impressed with that little grinder. I mean, you can get that thing on sale for three fifty. It gives you sixty-four millimeter burr set, which 
essentially means that you have tons and tons of options down the road if you want to swap things out and get different flavor profiles and whatnot. But essentially, that thing will give you, <laughs> excuse me, give you great espresso, give you pretty good filter options. And I think th- the best option for me when I got into it in like 2012 was probably the Vario because that was a great like all around grinder, but it costs a lot more. I think they go for like 550 now. What, what's your gear right now? What, what are you operating with? I still have the Vario, which okay. I am super into. I have a fellow Ode, which I picked up, I think about two years ago. So I use the Ode just for filter coffee and then I use the Vario for espresso. You, you using a Gen 2 Burrs with that or still have the original? Yeah, the Gen 2. Gotcha. And I've got an old Rocket Giotto, which I think I picked up in like 2010. Oh, they're built, they're built like tanks. <laughs> they are. They are. I thought about upgrading it several times over the course of the last couple of years, but I just like, it's still, it's still rocking. Like it's still going and it tastes, the coffee tastes great. And there's so many different things you can do with these 61s. Um, it's kind of going off a little tangent, but it's been around so long. There's so many little tweaks you can do to, sure. it to make it just how you want it. And you can you can add the flow profile as well to any of these machines um, aftermarket that don't have it on board. Like what made that famous recently has been the Lilith Bianca uh, V2 and then now the V3. But um, I, I think that, that that's where you're kind of getting into with the uh, E61. And of course, uh, just depending on the, the quality of the machine, these things can just last and last and last with with uh, proper maintenance, of course, using good water as well, not not anything that's going to be killing the tank. Where do you get the ideas beyond uh, on a daily basis, David? When, you told me, obviously, time is, is a little difficult. I, I attest to that in terms of working on YouTube as well. It's, it's hard to find the time plus the editing and the video taking and and just trying to get that element out. How difficult is that for you in terms of, of just trying to get get that up without making it feel like it's a chore? That's a really good question. It varies honestly from you know week to week, month to month. Some some weeks I feel like I have tons of ideas that are all like things I could talk about and things that I'm excited about. And, you know, like right now I've got a laundry list of ideas and I feel like maybe one of them is like, okay. (laughs) So yeah, it really, really, really depends. And of course there are lots of people out there who are really great about, you know, helping guide creators and guide people on YouTube and on Instagram and whatever. And those are always like really great resources to go to when I get hung up and I'm just kind of like scratching my head. Like, what can I talk about now without just like saying the same thing over and over again? And we talked a little bit about that prior to, to actually recording. And, and um, I love something you said of how you attack the topic. And, and you, you, you told me that you look at it in a sense of storytelling and and that's what it feels like. It, I, I compared you to a little bit of uh, Saint James Hoffman, uh, our, our our holy uh, saint of coffee over there. Um, I, I that, that's how I kind of see your videos because they they take on that story element that you don't see very many people do. Uh, it it has a great way of 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 luring you in. So hence an intro, and it feels like 
a proper essay when you're actually seeing that on video. So when you're approaching those stories, how, how are you trying to get all of those elements built into your, your video? Yeah. So, I mean, the channel, the goal for it more recently, I think than at the start was to just find stories around coffee so that if I'm talking about a Kalita versus a V60, or if I'm talking about upgrades for a rocket Johto or whatever it is, I'm telling it from my perspective instead of just like a report of like, here are things you can do. It's here's why I did it. Here's how this kind of played into my life and my journey with coffee and having made coffee at home and in cafes for many years. Um, I just think it makes it a little bit more personal and it's a little bit more relatable to if somebody's watching who's, you know, in a similar place or in, or looking to get into coffee, it's it's nice to have that context. I think context is really, really important, and it's a way to help, you know, stand out from people like, you know, Hoffman, Lance. Like, all there's so many great YouTubers out there, and they all kind of do their own thing. So for me, like, yeah, finding finding stories and finding ways to just add my voice that way um, is, is the goal. Do you, do you feel with the, the the many voices that are out there right now in coffee, that there is a lack of rela- relatableness in terms of, of the coffee itself, the industry and products to consumer? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I mean, reading YouTube comments says one thing, but <laughs> <laughs> never read the comments, never read the comments. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I think if, if anything, I'd like to see a lot more uh, about like the coffee itself and more stories around coffee. I keep having the same conversation with, um, you know, a lot of friends in the industry are like on the green buying side of things and dealing with like all of the little parts in the value chain and what happens between the farmer and the consumer and why like there's only like a, a just a little bit of essentially value added down the way compared to like other products like wine or beer or uh, industries that have like, I think probably a richer or at least a more, a better told history and have just more stories behind them. Sure. And, and I, and I see some of those stories and companies that I applaud are, are like Onyx who, who does in in depth provide farm to to a cup analysis on their page, but I also feel like that's also bare minimum sometimes in terms of the stories of these individuals that produce and and the stories of their farms of the the legacy that they have, uh, ecological issues that they 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 deal with on a daily basis. And not only that, but the, the socioeconomic consequences of us buying coffee at unfair prices and, and kind of shortchanging them. Um, I, I, I sit with you in terms of not enough goes into understanding those those small little uh, nuances of, of how coffee is, is produced. It, it, it just seems like, well, we go to the store, we pick it up, and then we make it, and we're, we're fine. And mm-hmm. there's all these fancy products and a new grinder today and a new machine tomorrow. And 
a, a new brewer and uh, and it's great it's fascinating and it drives the market but at the end of the day uh, the coffee is what actually drives everything i think in terms of of of, of the, the actual industry mm-hmm. and so yeah. I, I i would like to see more videos more storytellers uh, in that realm is, is that where you're going for down the road or is it just something that you're just ultimately relating to like you said where you're trying to find things and elements of your own life and then trying to make a story from that a little bit of both i do have something kicking around in my head and it's very in like the beginning stages but i just had this realization the other day a friend of mine who spends i think about half the year or so in uganda she visited with her in in baltimore recently and she brought back honey from uganda and i brought it home and you know my wife and i were looking at like wow this is amazing this came all the way from uganda and at the same time we drink coffee from overseas every single day. And I can't remember the last time we were like, wow, this coffee came from, you know, Ethiopia. This is amazing. It, <laughs> you know, it is a fascinating story how, how you just don't realize how far those beans have gone. Yeah. And, and, and just the amount of hands it's, it's gone through. It, it's shocking. So a small thing like, like honey, like you said, it's, it's just astonishing how how you don't realize where it comes from how it got there to you it just got there to you and that's all we take advantage on david what what brings you the most delight in terms of of doing what you're doing oh man i think connecting with people when when i started working with um he's become a good friend dave dave sherman uh, we've been working together for like five, five or so years. I think more than that now I've lost track, but we came up with a, a mission statement or a vision statement, whatever you want to call it for this cafe that we were working on. Um, and it was to create moments of like kindness and connection with our guests and with our coworkers and just with people that we interact with on the day to day. And whether that's like, just a polite hello and eye contact and acknowledgement with somebody, or if it's a deeper connection that you have over time as you kind of get to know people through coffee and, and good food. And I think the YouTube channel is also a bit of an extension of that. I don't think I've quite gotten there yet with it, but that's ultimately what really like makes me excited is uh, being able to just connect with people in in the service of just making people's days better. I agree. I, 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 I fully agree. I, I think coffee is one of those elements. It's, it's communal. It's a way for us to kind of gather together and, and talk and, and just be nice to each other. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. It seems like we just can't seem to do that anymore. Uh, just being nice to each other, even with just pleasantries of a hello or, or goodbye or how you doing? Just, just finding out someone's just day. You've you've been in the industry now for for a little bit of time now, David. Since your early twenties, when you finally got into this and and uh, going from there, what's been the biggest just like like awe moment in, in coffee that you've experienced so far? In ter- uh, from from start of enjoying those coffees from from that individual that that introduced you to them to now, what what's been the most just like 
wow, I, I, I didn't expect that moment. Man, that's a really good question. I have this one. Hmm, I should take a second to think about this. <laughs> I, I certainly, yeah, I was going to say, I, I certainly think that you, you've probably been around a lot of great moments in your life in terms of, of individuals as well as just just unique situations. Yeah, I think for some reason this one, one instance is popping up in my head where it was like one of the first black coffees that I'd had that I really enjoyed. I mean, I we came to this through espresso, I think, mostly. So I was a big espresso drinker, big cortada drinker, cappuccinos, but like very like, you know, traditional old school Italian style stuff. Sure. And I think it was, it was a pea berry. I think it was a Tanzanian pea berry roasted by counterculture. And I was working at a cafe and we were doing V60s all day long. <laughs> and you know, every once in a while, you'd make yourself a coffee during a shift and forget about it. And most of the time, when you remembered it, it wasn't really any good because it had gotten cold, it had gotten kind of sour, starting to not taste great. And there was this one coffee, this Tanzanian pea berry, that I brewed and forgot about and came back to it. And it was room temperature, maybe even like a little bit cold. And it was like the best thing I've ever tasted. It still tasted incredibly. It might have even tasted better. <laughs> so it was, it was probably too dark roasted. That's why from counterculture then for that Tanzanian pea berry. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but it, it was just one of those moments where you realize how complex and like how much more there is to this product than you originally expected. Um, and yeah, I think coffee is just full of surprises like that. Where do you hope the the channel your future goes in coffee? So for the channel, honestly, I would just love to have better systems in, in place so that I can create the kind of work that I want more often. And I would really love to be able to cover, like I said, more stories around coffee outside of just me, but me is a good place to start. I'd love to be able to highlight things that people are doing, you know, roasters. And I, I don't know if I would go as far as good, just because it's not my specialty. I don't really understand or have as much of an understanding of green buying and things that happen at origin, but I'm really interested in like, all the investments that are being made right now in the industry and where that payoff is going to end up. Cause I think that that is a little bit unclear. Like, yes, the goal is to have more money in the pockets of producers and to make the whole value chain more equitable. But I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how that plays out and how successfully it plays out over the next couple of years. Um, with all the all the transparency that's out there now and so much more eyeballs and more people paying attention to it, uh, I think that's going to be a really exciting thing to watch. Do you think we're already at the precipice of a new wave of coffee, David, or, or have we already entered it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I People use the term third wave quite a lot. I, I haven't heard people use the word 
use it in a long time, but that was kind of in around like the 2000s when people were doing by the cup and talking about origin and talking about producers and, you know, putting more of a highlight on that part of the industry. Um, yeah, I think we, I think we probably are in, you know, a new wave, if you could call it that, where all of that is just going to become much like television when it went from standard definition to HD. I think sure. it's going to be way easier in terms of, um, in terms of being able to access it through like, you know, home baristas have more tools available e even at, you know, reasonable prices than they ever have before. Cafes have more knowledge and more expertise from how we deal with water to how we deal with grinding and how like our spaces are set up technically to be able to deliver, you know, great consistency more, more often and great uh, clarity of, terroir and all that stuff so so yeah i think that's how it feels to me yeah it, it I, I agree it i i think there's elements missing that came from third wave coffee where i think there was more focus on coffee itself and it seems now with the advancements of so much technology and understanding the science behind coffee that we're, we're getting into the the strange experimental phase of of uh, of coffee itself and just trying to push the limits of the beans themselves, uh, cultivating new varietals or even just unlocking new flavors that weren't possible before because of different methods of, of collection and, and washing and uh, drying and so forth. I, I, I think the future is uh, pretty interesting going forward in terms of the consumer as well as the uh, producers out there and uh, hopefully like you said it's an equitable one for everyone but at the same time it's uh it's nice to be on the side and just enjoying a lot of these fantastic brews and uh it, maybe not so much spending on all of these products though i, I certainly have spent yeah. a pretty penny on on a lot of things and I, I i think i have a friend of mine that actually tells me he's like what, what have you got in that's new on your bar and i'm like nothing it's been a while now And, and he was just proud of me. He was, he was just like, I'm so happy for you. And I'm like, why? <laughs> and I'm, I'm just like, well, you know, it just, there hasn't been anything that really intrigues me. I mean, I already have the grinder I want. I have the machine I want. So what's really to do other than just getting the latest and greatest that does the exact same thing. But uh, I'll leave that for those individuals who review on a daily basis. David, what's your schedule like in terms of YouTube and posting? In terms of posting, I try to do once every other week. Sometimes I do a little more than that, but I think once every other week is pretty manageable. What have you found in terms of a YouTuber uh, being difficult for you, besides obviously the production and, and not having the enough time? Gosh, knows you, you have your own life and you have this and you have other things going on, but certainly what, what's been the most difficult aspect as a YouTuber broadcasting this content and trying to reach more audience? I think standing out, um, even though that might sound like kind of an obvious answer, but I mean, really, if you look at a lot of people who are really successful in coffee on YouTube and you go through like the most popular things and just see like what's worked for people in the past, um, 
there's not like this probably gonna sound like a negative, but not not a huge variety of stuff. Like a lot of gear reviews, a lot of tutorials, a lot of recipes, and there's a lot of people doing great work out there and have been doing great work for several years. It's hard to figure out where exactly to say like, okay, I can bring something different to this topic or that topic. And it's not going to sound like, you know, a coffee echo chamber, just kind of repeating the same things that have already been said. And part of that I think is going to have to be looking outside of coffee and seeing what people in other niches are doing. That, so that's that's the big challenge for me. That that's kind of what I see going on, right? There's this repetition of of uh, of content going on, and uh, I, and it's difficult to kind of gauge too, right? Because as a YouTuber, you want to produce something that is going to be uh, watched to begin with. Uh, certainly, you're not making content just for the joy of it, and and you're hoping it's reaching individuals. And and then trying to make content that's palatable for them to enjoy. Because if you go into a, a long story and, and going forth, then you start wondering, well, I am going into a different realm, but it's not really hitting any audience uh, for, for me. So ha- have you encountered any of that so far with the the types of video that you produce in terms of it affecting your life? It, maybe it's a... Uh, something that you just normal everyday thing that's going on or, or is this something that you're, you're finding success in? Yeah. Well, the, um, the video with the, the kettle was definitely an unexpected surprise for it to be as, ex- as successful as it was. Um, I had a feeling that it would kind of ruffle a few feathers <laughs> and get, <laughs> get people interested just because of how popular that kettle is and, how many posts I've read on Reddit kind of bashing on it for, for reasons similar to like the situation I described. Sure. Sure. I, I, uh, I don't know, David, I, I look at some of these products and I get a little worried because as the age, you know, things wear out certainly, but it's, it's not like the 61 where readily available to fix things. they're pretty standard in terms of what they have and just a matter of getting the right fitting sometimes or the right pump or so forth. But I, I think as we go on, the smarter these devices get, especially something like the EKG or even just the, the most recent versions of the EKGs uh, where, they, where they just contain a lot more proprietary technology uh, in terms of the software, in terms of the knobs, in terms of the mechanicals inside, it's getting a little bit more difficult to kind of approach those things and try to realize like, well, once it breaks, I, I, I guess I'm pretty much out of luck. And uh, trying to repair it, uh, unless you have some kind of background to be able to kind of repair it yourself, uh, you, you're not even given an option to send it in and fix it. We were just, hey, here's a store. Look at look at all these new products and and choose one and buy one. That's the only option there is sometimes yeah. for a lot of people, and it's unfortunate. It's a it's a very expensive product. Yeah, it is. And I mean, yeah, talking about the, all the little proprietary pieces, it really comes down to if those pieces are available either to you or to like an independent uh, repair shop to have the option to get it fixed. I was pleasantly surprised. My wife has this 
machine, um, the sewing machine that she got from her grandmother that was made in the seventies and she's been, you know, taking care of it and repairing it and doing all sorts of things herself. And we thought it might've been a goner uh, a couple months ago because it just got to the point where it was beyond her. And, um, I have no, no experience with sewing machines at all. So I looked at it and I was like, I don't know, (laughs) but but we found this little place, uh, it was about 30 minutes away from us, that just services vacuum cleaners and sewing machines. And I was shocked. So we, we brought it in, and the, the part that we needed didn't exist anymore because it's you know over 50 years old. That's kind of understandable. But they fixed it up as best they could and got it working better than, than we could. It, so. it is fascinating, those stories. I, I Funny you brought that up, but... Even even as a kid, I remember seeing a a, a certain named uh, store for for the same deal with with uh, sewing machines, and uh, this is where I used to live as a kid. So this is oh thirty thirty five thirty thirty years ago, roughly. I'm I'm forty, and um, I passed by that area just the other day, and I realized that the store is still there. And uh, it testament to there's going to be a lot of people still needing to have things fixed even down the road. <laughs> so here's hoping that there's a there's someone out there that learns enough skill to to start fixing all our EKGs for us when it comes down to it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, David. I am so happy that you came onto the show. I'm really thrilled about the content you're producing, the quality of video you're making. I think you're genius when it comes down to your storytelling. I, I am so happy you came onto the show. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. David, where can people find you? I'm on Instagram and YouTube, David Likes Coffee and DavidLikesCoffee.com. Go check out David. I, I promise you, you will enjoy the content, uh, find his storytelling to be alluring, and uh, just just enjoy. It's, it's great to see when someone has a command of the language and understanding how to uh, approach the the topic and i i just i just love it david thank you so much for for being on the show don't thank forget you. to subscribe to everything coffee on spotify apple or anywhere else you get your podcast and follow us on instagram at everything.coffee.podcast and check out our website at everythingcoffee.podbean.com thank you for listening and doing your part in supporting local businesses in your city and around the world <laughs>